0: To the Astrology of Terrible Things podcast with me, Carly Heath, and my friend and co host, Jesse Devine. This is a podcast where we bring you stories of terrible things that have happened to people, and then we delve into the astrology of that terrible thing to try and figure out why bad things happen. Important note this podcast comes with all of the trigger warnings. We talk about amusement park disasters, serial killers, catastrophic accidents, and all sorts of events that usually result in people dying if any of that sounds like something you don't want to hear about, which is totally understandable. Honestly, this whole podcast should not be listened to by anyone. Please do not listen to this show. Uh, Jesse is here to both laugh at me and occasionally (laughs) (laughs) contribute to banter. Please do laugh at me. This is why I'm here. This is what fuels my existence is people laughing at me. Um, And also to rein in, I've decided you're going to rein in my tangents and digressions because after listening to the first episode Your girl, Carly, I go on some tangents and some digressions. Sometimes,
1: sometimes those tangents are so interesting. Like I, I'm like, no, I'm not even going to pull back on the reins. I just, I'm, I'm into it.
0: (laughs) Thank you. You know, we are both, uh, you identify as well as a neuro spicy person, (laughs) (laughs) Neurodivergent. neurodivergent person. Um, I I like the phrase neuro spicy. I saw that and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. Neuro spicy. Yes. Okay. And I think that I, I that neurospicy people go on tangents. And I th- also am fully embracing my neurospiciness because I, all summer long, I've just been surrounded by creative people and all of them are like us. Like, Oh yeah, totally.
1: We're the best we, people.
0: We are the best people we are. And I noticed in your chart, something that I had been kind of trying to figure out uh, a lot recently Jesse is that my you? my chart are, yes you're a chart you're an equinox baby like I am and what I mean oh. by equinox baby is with our ascendant degrees are in the first like degrees of cardinal signs the across the, the Libra Aries axis mm-hmm. um, I've always been a little bit vain about how my Libra ascendant is zero degrees Libra because it's very Fancy because <laughs> I have the exact astrological
1: elitism. Equinox.
0: Yeah, I know <laughs> the exact degree of the, the autumn equinox, and okay. that is the basis upon which all astrology was founded. the The reason that we have the houses and this the zodiac, it's all built around the equinoxes. And okay. you have that too, Jesse, because you're. Ascendant is in the very first degrees of Aries.
1: Oh, fascinating!
0: Your and and you moved to Las Vegas, whereas if we use the rules of astrocartography, you that then shifts your ascendant because you moved to Las Vegas. And guess where your Las Vegas ascendant is? It's zero degrees Aries. So I am zero degrees Libra. You are zero degrees Aries. We are exactly opposite each other.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Magical on that e- magical equinox axis upon which the whole foundation of astrology was built,
1: which makes us uniquely qualified to talk about astrology and horrible, horrible things,
0: which makes us also very, and I noticed i started doing research I noticed people who I think are extremely cool <laughs> along that zero degrees Libra-Aries axis. We're really selling ourselves here. <laughs> I We are being vain, elitist, annoying people right now. But I just want to talk about how how amazing that is, that we are both friends. We are both on this fancy axis point of the Zodiac. Harry Houdini, uh, Nostradamus. <laughs> These are people and the, that access point, that degree point, it puts us on the threshold between the imaginary realm and the material realm. We can bring the imagination into reality. So do you think that there's a correlation between people that have this uh,
1: feature in their chart and creativity?
0: I absolutely think so. Cause I, I was going down the list and there's a lot of very extremely talented People who are along that axis. I know there's a whole lot of things in a lot of people's chart that that signal creativity, but I just think it's really neat. Both of us have this exact degree. You know, mm-hmm. your Jupiter as uh, is at one degree of Libra, so like just you know right next to my ascendant. It just makes sense that we get along so well. Uh, honestly. Um, And
1: where in it, where in the chart does it say that like you take these things really seriously? And I like laugh at that. Like every time we do one of these, you're like, and then 17 people died.
0: And I'm like, That's the Jupiter. Um, I, I, you know, that's how you relate to people. You have Jupiter in your seventh house, which is the house that deals with other people. I have Jupiter in my first house, which is myself. Our Jupiters are opposite too. It's just interesting. It's it's really interesting. And also, you know, you're I, I'm the Libra, so I'm the harmony. You're the Aries, so you're like the warrior. Um, okay, you know, so that tracks
1: for my character is what you're saying.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, you're, uh, I have that, I have, I do have Saturn in my first house, which gives me a certain like gravitas, I guess you could say. Uh, oh,
1: these days we're going to have to release our, our birth charts to the, to the audience here. Oh, so they can, so they can roast us.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm totally okay with releasing my, my birth chart and birth data, but I just think it's really, uh, really fascinating how that we get along so well. Um, interestingly though, I think because of your Aries, rising uh I was the first time I met you or the first time I kind of was aware of you I was very intimidated by you honestly Did you
1: know you- I get that feedback a lot I, <sighs> I I do get that feedback a lot I I've had a lot of like oh before I met you I thought you hated me and I'm like how? Ah, why <laughs> or like before I met you I was so scared to talk to you and I'm like man I am like the softest. like I don't know okay that's not true I I'm not always soft but I definitely like I feel like I always just, I want to talk to people. I want to be friends with people. And it's always just really interesting to get that feedback. Uh, when I do start talking to people, they're like, oh, you're, you're actually nice. Like you're actually cool.
0: But I just I thought you were so scary. And I'm like, man, honestly, you come across, you're very cool. I thought the first time oh, I that, I'm like, I thought you are extremely cool. And
1: <laughs> that like- is not an adjective I would use to describe myself either. That's so funny. <laughs> but thank you.
0: Uh, and confident and you have a a sort of a biting clever way of interacting which makes you you seem very smart and you seem like you could cut through the bullshit really well and it seems like you're not going to take bullshit from anyone and i love that about you but well, it was the, also- la-
1: the last part that's true for sure I- <laughs>
0: So anyway, I I just, I saw that. I thought it was really cool. I'm embracing the, so embrace your equinox powers. Um, okay. Some random questions that came up as I'm just like talking through this. Do you feel like an alien on earth? Yes. I know, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally all the time. I feel like in any social situation and, and I, you know, I mean, I always thought this was just like the autism. I don't know, but I've always just like in a situation and I'm like, how would a normal person respond to this? <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> what would a normal human say to that question? <laughs> and then I'm like, you're supposed to be in, normal- I just have this like internal dialogue.
0: <laughs> Something I've been like internally thinking in my brain recently is like, when I do humanness really well, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you were a really, you You did a really good impersonation of a human. Yeah, yes. Gold star. <laughs> Amazing. I've lately got this visual in my head of my life, my existence, my awareness of how I work in the world is like I'm standing at the threshold of a door between like the realm that doesn't exist and the realm of the material world. And mm-hmm. like the door is always peaked open a little bit to the realm that doesn't exist. And I can just kind of go into the realm that doesn't exist a lot I don't know if that's make it's if that's resonating with you
1: um like I don't think that I have the same visual metaphor but I feel like I know like what you're talking about um and I definitely think that like as I like get older and have become like more corporate in like my day job and things like that I've had to just like stay in the material world more which is like not necessarily where I like to be yeah (laughs) but no that's definitely a thing uh for
0: sure which brings us to before we won't go into too many digressions about our charts but i too do want to talk about uh the venus retrograde summer that we have all been through which i feel like venus retrograde is your chance to learn what is your toxic trait venus retrograde <laughs> kind of started around the end of uh july and we kind of finished up with it like beginning of octoberish a little bit end of september beginning of octoberish I, I i use very wide nets when talking about the boundaries of the venus retrograde because it, it it's there's a shadow period which we will not get into we don't want to bore people um but it's this time where venus becomes extremely powerful and also there's a period during the venus retrograde where that that harmonizing instinct goes away briefly. And mm-hmm. so it, I feel like it, it, it exposes things in your psyche and yourself. I think especially for women, I'll kind huh. of go into my, how, yeah, can, yeah, yeah. I'll go into my uh, experience with it. So Venus retrograde happened in my 11th house. And during that period, uh, because of the type of work I do, I have been surrounded by uh hundreds in many cases actors and creatives and performers and uh i it it started off this period of like just the absolutely mind-blowingly wonderful uh period where i feel like we were all activists for a cause mm-hmm. and connecting with that. And I love that energy. It's gotten me, given me this chance to see the words that I write uh, being said by people in crowds of a lot of mm-hmm. people, and they are laughing at my jokes, but it's been super rewarding, but I've been seeking out constant feedback in the form of the internet. I want to see what people are saying about my words and what people are mm. saying about the things that are going out public that I have written. And I, you know, because of the nature of my job, I'm a kind of a ghostwriter, right? right? I don't get credit for right. it's kind of looking for this like recognition piece that isn't there. Yeah, exactly. But I'm getting the feedback in that, like uh, there was this moment during the Venus retrograde cycle where I was in the audience, 4,000 people laughing at my jokes. I was feeling so high from it, but then I needed to go on the internet and seek out what people were saying about the thing. Mm-hmm. At the time I was Tricking my brain into thinking, oh, I'm just seeking out this internet feedback because I want to learn and grow as an artist and as a creative and I want to do better. I realize that the reason that I'm seeking out the internet's commentary on my work is because I seek the dopamine hit of someone saying something nice about something I did. And that (laughs) is reasonable. uh, (laughs) That is what I'm searching for, like a drug. Oh, uh, unfortunate! I feel like my my drug, my thing that I'm craving, which is probably very unhealthy, is a stranger saying something nice about a creative thing that I've done, mm-hmm. and that can lead me down so many distracting things.
1: Oh, no, absolutely. Because once you get in that cycle of searching for that external validation, it's really, really difficult to um, come back to a place where, you, where you're able to validate yourself, you know?
0: And it's a huge problem with my fiction writing. I, I can't say this is actually really good and I'm going to be done with it unless I get a lot of people saying that this is really mm-hmm. good, which you do not get in public. Which you never
1: get. No, you never get that in publishing. <laughs> yeah.
0: You could probably publish it.
1: Like, go through the entire very difficult process like oh i don't know how much our audience knows about publishing but like you guys it is a trip like you can go through the very difficult process of getting your book represented getting a publishing like a deal getting even even good marketing which is really difficult to get even selling a bunch of copies and you're still gonna have people saying shit about it that's that's not positive so it's just like it's really difficult to um to get that kind of feedback that you're looking for on on fiction
0: which which brings us to eventually we're gonna get back to our point, which this is the astrology of terrible things podcast where we talk about terrible things that have happened, and then we talk about the astrology of it. But we've been bullshitting for the fir- first few minutes just talking about how astrology affects our life. Jesse, have you noticed anything about Venus retrograde this summer for you?
1: Okay, where did you say this was affecting my wh- which it house was, in was this your house,
0: again? Your house, which deals with creativity and creativity. Um, your your fifth house ruler, which is the sun is in your seventh house, which deals on one-on-one relationships with other people. And it's being provided for by a Venus in your eighth house, which is shared resources. So I'm sure there's been something related to your way of having fun, creativity, that you things that you create with a partner and the shared resources that you develop with that partner and probably something related to your home as well since that kind of all ties back in there.
1: So something i realized about myself just through um just through like some therapy and like personal like reading some like self-help and things like that um is that i think a toxic trait resulting from like abandonment issues and oh, trauma see- my abandonment issues too. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. My, Instantly know, triggered. Too. Yeah. Thank you,
0: Venus. Um, I, I know, really I, I, not to interrupt you, but like, that's why I'm seeking the dopamine hit of approval, you know, because I never got that as a child. Like I never got. Oh the, yeah, you know, absolutely. Validation, emotional validation. So I'm like, okay, I need to perform and create and make other people laugh in order to get the validation that I never got from.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So I feel like I, <laughs> I feel like I see these things, uh, play out in in personal relationships in my relationship with my husband and really in friendships um Where I I just am constantly seeking reassurance and constantly seeking like like I have no object permanence for for the fact that people like me. (laughs) Yes. Oh
0: my god. Yes.
1: Exactly. And so I'm and so I'm always like like oh when I'm with the person I'm like oh this is great like like I said like it could be it could be romantic relationship with my husband it could be my friends my parents are kind of a uh, a different story that we're not going to go into my parents on the podcast we'll spend the entire time talking about my parents (laughs) but um but even like my friendships it's just like. Uh, and I have a tendency to never give people the benefit of the doubt. So, like, if that which is something that played out through this Venus retrograde, where like if they, you know, um bail on or if I perceive they've bailed on me or they've canceled plans or they, you know, oh, e- even like, even like, Hyper vigilance to like tone shifts and conversations and things like that. um, I'll be like, oh, they don't like me. Oh, this must mean that like our relationship is not important to them. (laughs) Like that kind of thing. (laughs) And for everybody listening, being like, God, you need therapy. It's like, don't worry, I'm in it. Like, (laughs)
0: um, I love what you said about there's no object permanence in relationships or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's people's affection. Exactly. Like, yeah, I have no, um, almost no object permanence in my sense of self. Honestly, yeah. I need to create things because I do not exist without people reacting to the things that I create. I, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't think I have that for, for
1: myself necessarily for like uh, the sense of who I am and like what my identity is, but I definitely have that for like, I'll be like, oh, like we're besties, right? Or like we're, we're friends or something. And then um, the next day, like Did something happen to where that's not true anymore? (laughs) Like, did you did you think about our our interactions and change your mind? Like, I have no evidence for that. Like, where you know what I mean? Uh, But
0: it doesn't stop the intrusive thought. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like anyone would abandon me if I say like the wrong thing, and Mm -hmm. that person be like, "Oh, that person is unforgivably canceled," and I do yes in my life. Yeah, or just (laughs) like, or even more like just like, oh,
1: too weird. Like, oh, they're, they're just like, that's just not for me. I'm like, I could almost deal with being like unforgivably canceled, especially if it was something that I believed in. You know what I mean? Like if I said something and they were like, oh, we don't like you because you said, you know, abortion is a human right. Or- <laughs> I don't know. Like if it was something that I believed in. And they were like, uh, yeah, oh, I hate you because of that. I'd be like, fine. Hate me. That's that's cool. But like, if it was just like, your personality is just, ew, <laughs>
0: then I would be like, oh, my God. <laughs> We learned that we have avoidant attachment styles, and, and, and in and, and <laughs> I think
1: mine's anxious. I... <laughs> attachment
0: styles. I think
1: I think that the the point for me uh, about like any retrograde, really, or any any astrologically difficult period of time, um, is that typically I think that you, if you are willing to just roll with it and learn from it, you can figure out something beneficial to take from it, like. Uh, for me, it was like, yeah, you definitely should be back in therapy. You know, I've, I've actually been through, um, uh, a really good period in my life, um, for probably like five or six years with my mental health, where I've been off of a medication and, um, and managing anxiety and depression. Um, not, not to say that, I mean, just to make this like a, a little soapbox for a second, like if you need mental health medication, go for it. Like that's, please do that. I I was on it for like a long period of my life and it was really helpful, but, uh, anyway, digression um I think that going through this period with Venus retrograde and having these realizations about myself it was a good moment for me to be like there, there's still some things that I need to unpack in therapy I should probably get back into it so that's amazing that's what doing. yeah
0: that's amazing awesome I'm so proud of you so proud
1: thank you. Of you like your therapist uh well I actually have our first consultation on Monday good for you
0: yay I'm so excited for you thanks I'm and- pretty pumped That's awesome. I also learned uh, about Venus retrograde too is with my creative stuff, I have in the past leaned very into the angsty, uh, navel gazing interior sort of thing. And I'm realizing that the direction I want to go with my creativity in the future is that I want to lean more into comedy and I want to actually actually exploring mental health issues is something that came up as I was kind of thinking about my next novel that I want to write like mm-hmm. and I, I think I want to definitely lean more into the comedy and I was thinking just like these exaggerated circumstances uh that kind that illustrate what's going on mentally healthily with me and yeah. my issues and instead of being so angsty as I've done in the past with my writing um, being ridiculous. I love
1: that. I love that.
0: I, it makes me so much happier to go into those directions with it. So, yeah. Oh, so in addition to the, the Venus retrograde uh, exposing our toxic traits, I have a crazy uh, like Venus retrograde story as I was at these events where I'm watching my my speeches, the things I've written, be out there and in the public. Um, I'm in the audience, videotaping and all of that. Uh, I w- was going on the internet to try and find other video clips of people recording the thing, and I found video clips from someone who was standing right next to me and who oh. I, ha- I did not know. And I saw that this person's name was Carly, and I saw oh, weird though. Show- that this person is in the same fandom that i am in and i reached out to her and we are like so in common like she's very active in the activist movement uh, that is happening right now um, and she does so much for like with the fandom and the and the activist stuff and I'm like this is amazing. Someone who's named Carly who is we have all these things in common who was standing right next to me <laughs> and who I, I like yeah, found that's later interesting. on the internet. That's wild. And so, so super wild we're we're now like BFFs best friends and I I just thought that was amazing. And I have a feeling she is from the Southern Hemisphere. I have not been brave enough to ask. <laughs> she mentioned it at some yeah. point. Um, but the Southern Hemisphere is also our magic Aries, Libra, Axis thing.
1: Oh, she's, is she is she in our, our little club, our zero degree club?
0: I'm going to ask her if she's in our zero degree <laughs> club. But, but also me interacting with people from the Southern Hemisphere has to do with our equinox thing your yeah. husband's from the the southern hemisphere
1: no yeah it's been uh you know four years down there for sure in uh in That's brazil the- for anybody who doesn't know that
0: yeah and the so so here's the thing whenever there's an equinox uh like big kind of changes happen in my life sure um and i was also being aware that like every time there's an equinox i encounter people from the southern hemisphere mm-hmm no so pay attention to this in your life because obviously it
1: it does oh that's probably true i mean yeah i I, so funny you're talking about you're talking about like uh
0: oh i met this girl carly
1: and we're in the similar thing and we have all these similarities and something like i i i can see how this like attaches to like the, the venus retrograde and the astrology of it all but also like part of my head is just like man the simulation is breaking down like i can't Oh right. <laughs> right! You're like right. You just like meet people, and you're like, "This is just lazy." Like ah,
0: this seems like a different name. Like, come on, <laughs> whoever is running it right now has not had enough coffee, and they're just <laughs> exactly they're just repeating certain codes, and they're just yeah tasting.
1: Yes, or like I, I don't even know. Like how oh, I had a conversation with one of my friends the other day that was like. I said something along those lines and he's like, man, I had a full conversation with a complete NPC the other day. Like I was in the grocery store and like their dialogue was just straight NPC dialogue, like hand. And I was like, I bet you if I walk away from this person and then come back, we're going to have the same conversation.
0: Yeah. So I met uh, Doppelcarly. Uh... Doppelcarly. <laughs> <laughs> um I I became aware that whenever there's an equinox a big thing happens in my life and I I tend to encounter people from the southern hemisphere. Uh, so anyway, we're getting off on tangents so you're supposed to ring me back. We're getting- Okay, I'm sorry, but see see this is the problem. Like can- I'm interested. Like I can- <laughs> fascinating. Okay, so what we're going to do, things a little bit different this time, I do have an event that I'm going to be sharing with you all of a terrible thing, but Jesse is also doing an event, but we're going to do a little reversal. Jesse's going to share the chart of an event, and I'm going to look at the chart, and I'm going to describe the event, and I'm going to see how close I get to describing the event that Jesse has picked
1: yes um so this is this is my favorite thing like okay so uh this is the first time we're doing this so i carly has no idea what event this is uh and i have removed all of the identifying information from the chart so there's no date there's no time there's no year nothing um and we can maybe figure out a way to share the chart so that the I, so that everybody can see that I'm I'm not we'll lying <laughs> we'll put in the show notes or something. okay there's a there's nothing on this chart that would tell Carly what when or where this even happened so um I just sent that over to you if you want to check it out right now
0: yeah I'm looking at it this is really interesting because I noticed that whenever we become interested in certain events the astrology of that event mirrors what the astrology is that's happening right now and you have chosen a chart where the nodes are in uh, Venus or or in Libra and Aries Um, and we have just well what one our nodes have just shifted we just had an eclipse in uh, Libra and Aries across the axis and we Mm -hmm. spent the whole first portion of this talk talking about the libra aries axis because you and i are you
1: know people aren't going to believe that it's random
0: <laughs> uh so this is completely random i'm noticing okay so i'm noticing a lot of things Well let's first start uh, talking about sect because that's always a good place to start this is okay. a day chart uh with the sun in aries so that means since it's a day chart the most malefic part of the chart is going to be wherever Mars is. So in this case, uh, Mars is located in the fifth house, which deals with children, Uh, romance, creativity. It's a very debilitated Mars uh, in Libra uh, and retrograde. So this Mars, and this Mars is opposite Mercury, um, which, so I'm getting some child, Signatures in here. I'm curious to know uh, if if children will play a role in this. Um, I'm noticing. And then we can also look at what the best part of the chart is, and that is a very very exalted Jupiter. But it, it's a Jupiter that's opposite, applying to an opposition with Pluto in the eighth house, um, which is death vibes, uh, which is. And let's see. oh and then okay it's being provided for by a debilitated moon in the sixth house which is the house of bad fortune, um, being ruled by Mars. So the so we would love to be like oh that Jupiter, is that Jupiter going to save the the day? No, that Jupiter no, is, <laughs> is going to um, just be doing the work of Mars, which is in real real bad shape. Um, since Mars is being provided by Venus. Let's see well, where For those
1: of us that are not astrology experts, can you explain a little bit about um like what does that mean when you say like oh, this is being provided for by this and how in in your expertise how would that um affect this chart?
0: Like let's say you have a planet in a certain sign. The mm-hmm. planet itself is trying to do the work of that planet. So v- so Venus is trying to do uh the wor- the the work of venus which is usually about harmony about love about creativity mm-hmm. about joy beauty sure but if venus is in mars's sign venus has mars stuff to work with which is war weapons uh and venus is in mars's house so imagine you are a pretty princess venus and you have to go house sit for mars okay mars's house is full of knives okay (laughs) your impulse as venus is to decorate and cook some, some lovely treats and put on some music and, you know, do, do something creative, mm-hmm. but all you have to work with is knives. And <laughs> okay? so that's kind of, gives you a little picture of how Venus works in a, in a house and a sign that it doesn't usually go into and, do. Okay. um, and this gets you, gets even more complicated because then, let's say, so Venus is in Mars's house, but where's Mars? Mars is over somewhere else in someone else's house. So if Venus needs to call on Mars, does it say like, where's the coffee maker? Um, Where's the circuit breaker? Where's the stuff?
1: And Um, Mars is like pissed off because it's like doing something it doesn't like to be doing.
0: Yeah. If, if Mars is extremely pissed off, somewhere else um it's, it's just a downward spiral like ah. yeah increasingly difficult so uh in this case okay uh we have basically mars is being extra bad in this particular chart because in this case we have mars who is the warrior in the house of venus which is the pretty princess and Mm -hmm. so the warrior is like okay just come back from battle i need to sharpen my knives i need to restore my weapons but i'm in a pink bedroom uh, that's full of fluffy faux fur everywhere Mm -hmm. and so so mars is like calling venus okay where's my knife sharpener and venus is over in jupiter's sign and Venus is like, I'm on drugs right now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Venus is partying hard. It cannot no, help Venus Mars. Is yeah. Venus is on a, on a boat and has just taken some ayahuasca <laughs> and uh, is okay. having trouble making complete sentences right now. And the connection isn't great because you're at sea. Uh, and then... Uh, so Venus the reason Venus is actually not doing well isn't necessarily cuz Venus is in Jupiter sign. Usually Venus in Jupiter sign is actually doing really good. But what's what's problematic is Venus then has to call Jupiter because she's in Jupiter sign and Jupiter is being provided for by a moon that is very debilitated in the place that doesn't like to be in, uh, which is Mars, a sign of Scorpio. So you kind of, everything is going back to Mars. So. Mars is pissed off because it's not in a sign that it likes to be in, a, pl- a house mm-hmm. that it likes to be in. And when it tries to get answers, it has to go through all of these woo woo people on boats, people you know doing ayahuasca, mm-hmm. and then it ends up getting back about to itself their feelings, and then it ends up going back to itself. But it has to go through the moon, which is like this super watery, super. Uh, in up in their feelings thing. It's like, Mars is <laughs> like, I just want to fucking sharpen my knives. <laughs> and everyone is having feelings right now. And I cannot even deal with this.
1: So in, in real world terms, real world uh, terms. How, how, do you think, how do you um, think this, so, effect, if you're trying to figure out the event from this, what do uh-huh. you, what do you see?
0: Well, I'm going to look at the ascendant, but, but just by looking at where the most malefic planet is, which is Mars doing extremely malefic things in a house of beauty in a house of feminine harmony, um, in a house in the fifth house, which is about creativity, uh, uh, love, passion. I'm like, okay, something in that, that creativity, beauty, fashion, children. Um, there, I, I, I'm kind of getting a child signature in here, something mm-hmm. very bad, um, happened there. And it's a, I'm, I'm thinking it's a group that has been involved because now we're going to turn to the ascendant. So okay. we we're gonna now see who who, who is involved here. Um, there is a the ascendant, which is like the the thing is Gemini, which is um, uh, a a sign that's ruled by Mercury, and that's that Mercury is in the eleventh house, which is ruled by Mars. So this lets us know that there's a it's something involving a group. 11th house thing is is big so a south node so an ending with a group um with uranus there and the sun there there's like a father figure signature there the mercury opposite mars can i ask you is there something like death involving children in this yes (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, a group of children yes
0: yeah, I want to say a group of children. And is there a situation where there is law enforcement involved and law enforcement is not doing what they need to be doing to stop the thing?
1: Find like uh, authority not doing what they're supposed to be doing.
0: Authority not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay,
1: Definitely. What makes you say that? The
0: master of the nativity in this mm-hmm. thing, which is like the 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 planet that's in charge of basically everything in this chart
1: mm-hmm. is
0: mars okay Um, and so jupiter which is usually like the the good guy who comes into the picture to save the day is not doing what it should be doing because it's has to go go through mars it's being provided for by mars okay um so the idea of authority not doing what it should so there's there's the law is not doing what it should there's father figures not doing what they should um there are And it's also that jupiter opposite uh pluto dynamic so there's this this just so much strong death signature in this chart um there is boundaries not being in place um there is if there is a mother figure uh or any sort of nurturing figure that is not doing what it should because it's in it's, it's in the sixth house of bad fortune um, uh, and it's being provided for by Mars. I, which makes me ask, how, how did the death of a group of children uh, happen? You, do you want me to answer the question gonna, or are you, I, I, are you, you trying, trying to go, go further? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going okay. to it out. So much water here. Like a, I w- almost want to say, ask if there's like water involved in some way. You want me to answer so death of group of children <laughs> so the, my my answer death of a group of children authorities and failing i want to say maybe there was a school involved too and something to do with water so what's the uh, situation tell us the story
1: okay uh i'm gonna apologize now for um all my pronunciations because this is uh like an international event um and a lot of this is in korean uh, the event was April 16th, 2014 when, uh, the Seawol, uh, boat sank.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> so the
1: pertinent, the pertinent information here. So we had, what What did you say? Your main thing is a uh, children, a group of children, lots of tons of death, um, a father figure or authority in law, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. No, boundaries not being set in place and a shit ton of water so obviously <laughs> the ocean um let me just give you some some little statistics here
0: isn't this astrology amazing
1: yes yes yeah but but us this you're gonna lose you're gonna lose your mind okay out of 476 passengers and crew 306 died in the disaster including 250 students from dan juan high school
0: oh my god
1: yeah Uh, so as soon as you were like, I think there's a group of children that died. I was like, yeah, a pretty big group.
0: Oh my God. Not to
1: laugh at that. No. Okay. Here's here's the thing about, here's the thing about this podcast, you guys, that I just want to say, since we're very early in the recording of this podcast is that like, I laugh at horrible, horrible things because like, otherwise I would just be crying all the time, like about life, about the world, about like every terrible thing that happens every single day. And so I don't mean to make light of something that was awful and that probably still affects um families and, and people today. I just, uh, yeah, it's just, it's too, it, what do you do? You know, it's like laughing at a funeral, inappropriate responses to stress, I guess.
0: Yeah, it is. And, you know, uh, the we came up with this word in another podcast that I was on called dicomedy, which exactly. is. Yeah, the impulse to when you're going down into a real dark place to make a joke to stop. it. Yes, 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 exactly. Okay, instinct. And we cannot deny that that it does exist. And as Equinox children, uh, we always want to make the balance. So whenever things start to go too far one direction or the other, (laughs) we always feel the need to bring it back. Yeah. Okay. We're not, um we're not laughing at the death of children. We're laughing at oh my god, I I saw just some circles and planets and, and I was like figure this to out. Yeah. Figure out what happened. That's
1: amazing. Definitely. the universe. Okay, let me let me just you're going to like I feel like there's more details like as I thought was listening I I'm just fascinated. Okay. Tell so me you have the to- story of of what
0: this happened this boat thing.
1: Okay, 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 okay. So uh you can also, if you're listening, look up this event uh on Wikipedia. And it was on like every, every news source ever. So go ahead and, and look that up. We'll include some things in the notes that you can check it out. Um, okay, so this was uh it started at about 8 30 a.m. on that morning. Um, this is a boat that uh traveled back and forth a lot. It was owned by uh let's see, I can definitely not say the name of this company. Uh, but it was owned by a shipping company. Um, and, uh, it was originally a ferry from 1994 to 2012, um, as a, it was a transport ship for cargo and passengers, but after it was bought in, let's see, do two, 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 2012, um, by this company, they made a bunch of modifications to it, including, uh, several adding several new decks that increased its, um, capacity. And there were like, claims that those modifications were illegal but um that wasn't really it wasn't really proven but there's been some like questions about whether or not that had an effect uh two years later when it sank you can read a play-by-play on the wikipedia um starting wednesday morning at um 7 30 a.m when the third mate of the ship took over watch from the previous team okay so it starts there and it goes over um all of this stuff is recorded by um a lot of different devices and you can see uh like the speed that the ship was going you can see when like distress calls were made and um really the the main thing that happened is that it tried to take a turn um they they took it off the uh, autopilot steering, okay, and went to manual steering, and then they tried to make this turn, uh, and it it didn't go correctly, and the ship just literally tilted and then started to sink. Um, now the things that I found fascinating with your analysis of it is that a a major part of the blame, um, and he actually got a life sentence for this, uh, was placed on the captain. Um, so when you're talking about father figure uh, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. He abandoned the ship. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. my. yeah. And then uh, besides that, um, about your when you said like the boundaries were not in place that needed to be in place. Um, they didn't give an evacuation order for like half an hour. So uh, I actually found a quote about this um the captain initially told passengers to stay in their rooms and waited more than half an hour to issue evacuation uh by then the ship had tilted so much that roughly 240 people oh at this point this was in the new york post um at this point a bunch of those people were still missing um anyway their belief is that because of that order to stay in your rooms and not evacuate that was given by the captain that a bunch of those people like 240 people got trapped inside um which is just horrible and
0: being trapped is a very saturnian thing Mm -hmm. being being trapped and that's saturn in a water sign scorpio so being trapped in water oh my yeah what's so amazing you guys astrology is real um i know that (laughs) (laughs) this is the thesis of the podcast astrology is real I know this is like probably speaking to the choir, but like you guys, how can anyone deny that astrology doesn't work when clearly I've been given a chart um, that's some circles and planets and I was able to accurately describe the event that took place in that chart. I will tell you my story now. This is, okay. uh, rain me in if I go into too many- <laughs> But this also deals with a similar thematic thing. Uh, This is the Erfurt latrine disaster of 1184. And an important thing for all of us to visualize before we get into this is something known as a cesspit. It's important that we understand what a cesspit is. A cesspit is a large underground holding tank that's used in the collection and storage of feces, excreta or fecal sludge. The pit can be lined with bricks or concrete or covered with a slab and it needs to be emptied frequently uh, when it's used as an underground holding tank. Are you visualizing? I am so
1: concerned about this, Carly.
0: (laughs) An underground holding tank of human waste. I already don't want to know, but I do want to know. And in cases where, you know, we have large populations of humans um, dumping their waste into a holding tank, we have to be very cautious about that waste going into groundwater where people will eventually drink that groundwater and, you know life. So I want you to picture this giant cesspit, giant cesspit of human waste that has a layer of surface scum on it. You have, you have eaten a oh uh, tomato soup before and you oh know my God, Carly, you know, the skin that appears Stop. upon <laughs> the tomato soup. Imagine if you will, that tomato soup is not red, but it is brown no, because please. it is human. Oh, no, waste. And the scum on the top is the scum that's created by human waste. Okay. I'm above this never going to eat that again. Is a communal latrine, which is benches with holes in those benches. Upon- First of all, why? <laughs> dudes will sit and they will poop into the latrine below. Oh my God, I have so and- many questions. <laughs> I need you all to visualize. I don't,
1: I I I am, and I'm mad that I am.
0: Are these cesspits ever drained and cleaned out? According to extra history, this video on YouTube that I looked up, probably not. But so they're supposed to be, is the I decided to just on my own uh <laughs> look into. <laughs> How long this particular cesspit in this case that we're going to be talking about had been brewing, had been fermenting? Oh, my God. Imagine a big, you know, wine barrel where you ferment grapes into wine. Well, imagine that. But if it's human feces, okay, this is. This is why I, this podcast comes with all the trigger warnings. So yeah,
1: okay, I could have used the trigger. Mm.
0: <laughs> I'm just here to torture you. See, you're laughing, so you must I, be enjoying yeah, it. yeah. Remember inappropriate responses to stress. <laughs> <laughs> so, the. Uh, The Petersburg Citadel, which is where this event took place, um, had been constructed around uh, 1060, so about 124 years before this disaster hit. The building was burned down in 1080 and rebuilt in 1103 to 1147, so the cesspit was probably either between 81 years old and 37 years old.
1: Fermenting, being used or
0: just sitting there it'd been collecting it'd been collecting for about one to 37 years so imagine um imagine you're 80 no
1: no I've imagined enough already Carly
0: (laughs) using the same pit to defecate in and that hit never being emptied in his entire how would you empty
1: it like that that's also my question like how would you because I mean we're talking like pre like septic pump yeah yeah like
0: I, I went into research. This is my skill is to go into digressions and give you all the unnecessary facts that you need to not know about this situation. So did this building, the Petersburg Citadel, did it smell really bad? Probably.
1: In, <laughs> I love that you looked this up. Uh,
0: there's no regulation of cesspit construction until the 18th century. And when the need to address that and that was when the need to address sanitation uh became apparent so i'm guessing it took people a few centuries to figure out this smells so bad it is probably really bad for human health um, yeah this is making us sick that's like. because of the patriarchy honestly i feel like before the patriarchy I'm here um, for this digression, i'm here for egalitarian society where both all genders were equally participating, and I feel like cesspits probably got cleaned out, or there was a different sort of way of doing things. I feel like the cesspit
1: construction cesspits a patriarchal problem.
0: So before uh, the construction reforms were um, were introduced in the nineteenth century, liquid waste would seep. Into the ground uh and then leaving behind the solid waste of the cesspit which made the removal because it was all solid a little bit easier Um, and because tanning leather for bookbinding was an important part of monastic life in the 12th century urine was usually collected in piss pots and used for tanning so so the dude's uh in this monastery they would pee into the piss pots they would use that for tanning and then the latrine and the cess pit was used for the solid for the for the human waste the solid okay like
1: this is gonna be an unpopular opinion but like uh the whole piss pot thing with the using it for tanning I feel like it's gonna get like ew reactions but like isn't pee sterile like when it comes out of your body I'm pretty sure
0: I'm pretty sure it is
1: I'm googling that right now.
0: Okay, look that up for us. Uh for <laughs> For wiping, when you went to oh no, that's a myth. Your 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 latrine, you would uh, use rags, dried cabbage leaves, straw, and moss were probably used. And monastic latrines, in particular, had a reputation for being noxious, probably because <laughs> monasteries are a big old sausage fest. And oh my gosh. foods are dirty. That's, that's a- hilarious huge sexist thing to say and I admit that <laughs> but again that's the patriarchy is dirty not necessarily dudes I think do du- in an egalitarian society where dudes are allowed to to be there for whole themselves selves, yeah I where feel
1: self-care like, isn't like weak
0: <laughs> yeah I feel like dudes would be clean in a non-patriarchal society, but because we're in a patriarchal society that like suppresses everything Venusian, everything clean and beautiful and harmonious, uh, dudes are encouraged to be dirty and focus on tough and and they aren't supposed to care about those Venusian things. So this is also yeah, why true. we need to defeat the patriarchy. True, true, true.
1: Also, just for any of you that were still curious, uh, that is a rumor. Human adult urine is not sterile. That is a medical myth.
0: Well, in conclusion... <laughs> so it is a
1: little bit gross. <laughs> uh,
0: so action accidents have happened in throughout history a lot uh, also in wikipedia recently in suffolk county new york most households there still use cesspools for waste drainage and cesspool collapses have occurred in the area uh, even in as recently as december 8th 2009 when two workers what? in a decommissioned cesspit were trapped requiring two a two hour rescue mission oh my god since 1998 six cases have been recorded of Cesspools collapsing and sucking human residents that had been standing over them into the cesspit, injuring a total of seven people, killing one in 2001, killing another in 2007, and killing another in 2010. Recent new fear unlocked killed in cesspits. New fear unlocked. Yeah, this is like
1: somebody tell Edgar Allan Poe, like, I need a new story. (laughs) On June 1st,
0: 2011, two teenagers from Suffolk County. Neighborhood uh, called Farmingville drowned after becoming overwhelmed by fumes and trapped in a backyard cesspool measuring 16 feet deep. So, oh my god, you've gotten plenty of background by now on cesspits. Uh, Thank you for that. For, for the train disaster, was it interesting or did I go on to a digression, which I'm known to do? Uh, I, I, it's
1: not that it wasn't interesting, it's just the top. <laughs>
0: Erfurt is the capital of the largest city in the central German state of Thuringia. It's the Gra, Landgraviate, Landgraviate, which is a noble title that means land count of Thuringia. Mm. And it was the largest state in the region between 1131 and 1247. So if you want to kind of put a picture in your head of what Thuringia is all about, think of bratwursts the brown (laughs) horse comes from uh thuringia as i said this is a sausage fest i
1: I mean that kind of sausage is fine i'm
0: (laughs) (laughs) and it's also a foresty area there's a lot of forests around there forested got it forest sausages Sausages.
1: sausage a a forest of sausages yes okay
0: okay here it is where you'll find the petersburg citadel it's one of the largest and best preserved town fortresses in europe during the 12th century it was a site of a medieval benedictine monastery the first recorded evidence of the monastery from 1060 but it may have existed a long time before that prior so, to that okay okay so back right now it is July 26th, a balmy summer in- Gross,
1: gross.
0: (laughs) For the average temperature, because I go into so many details, is about 75 degrees. I imagine without air conditioning, 75 degrees out in a room packed. This is going to be a packed room full of hundreds of people. One story above a latrine- which mm-hmm. is dumping into a giant cesspool. Great. So excellent. These people have traveled from afar. They are dudes. They the BO is probably off the charts. The the, the latrine down below is probably fuming. It's 75 degrees. This building is Lexi. primarily used by monks for monk stuff, but on that balmy July morning, Henry VI, the King of England, who is 19 years old, is going to use the building to settle, settle a land dispute between Landgrave Louis III and Archbishop Conrad Biddlesback. And by the way, these two dudes, Landgrave uh, Louis III, he's he's like in his 30s, and mm-hmm. Archbishop Conrad Biddlesback, he's like, in his 60s okay 30 year old 60 year old fighting land dispute they're called 19
1: year old guy 19
0: year old king to settle the land dispute can you imagine oh my god can you imagine even just you and me fighting right now and we're like okay oh we got to settle this dispute let's bring in the 19 year let's old let's
1: bring in a 19 year old boy yeah I or, or like any 19 year old at all like just mm-hmm.
0: By the way, though, for those who are into the astrology, uh, when you are when you're 19, you are in your eighth house year, which is the house of death, and so frequently, people who are in 19 experience a lot of death in their lives at that point. So every uh, nobleman from across the Holy Roman Empire was invited because these sorts of land disputes—they're spec events. There's no internet. There's no TV back then people need to be entertained. And there is so many, there's only so many comedians to go around. So they're like, let's, let's watch this 19 year old settle this dispute between this 30 year old and the six year old. I mean, reasonable though. Like <laughs> sounds like a good time. So a lot of people were there way more than a few monks who regularly made use of the building. The meeting was to be held on the second floor above the latrine meeting room latrine Poor planning cesspool visualize the three layers of hell uh henry the sixth takes his position on a little stone alcove at the front the rest of the floor is made of wood <sighs> interestingly uh interesting facts about king henry so he's born november uh, 1165 He's 19. He's either a Scorpio or a Sagittarius. We don't have the exact date of his birth. He's born uh, Jupiter and Sag opposite Pluto and Gemini, which is interestingly, that's a uh, very similar si- signature to the chart you showed me earlier of the um boat.
1: Thinking accident. of the
0: ship. Nice. Yeah. It, it, and Henry that, the six
1: is a boat accident.
0: <laughs> isn't that? fucking amazing though whenever we talk about like astrology we're like oh i'm tr- i'm randomly interested in this astrological event nothing well, is random we, we, yeah we're looking at a chart that like mirrors the astrology event of the, of another thing that we're interested in so you yeah. know, your boat thing had jupiter opposite pluto this thing that i'm talking about right now jupiter opposite pluto what does pluto deal with pluto deals with death death Pluto deals with leader, or Jupiter deals with leaders, um, mm-hmm. law like kings. Um, but Pluto and also, boat captains, yeah, sea captains. Pluto also deals with with waste. Pluto, Pluto deals with like the underworld too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, the um, so Saturn's in Capricorn, uh, Mars is in Libra, which Mars is was in Libra in your boat accident. Uh, as well. It's not fascinating. We just keep, we're picking the same astrological aspects to discuss randomly without talking about them beforehand. That's, that is fascinating. So, um, so Mars and Libra is that's and Mars was in Libra, like a few weeks ago uh, for us. In 1191, uh, this king, he will go on to become the Holy Roman Emperor at 26 years old. And in 1194, around the time of his Saturn return, those of you who don't know what I talk about when I say Saturn return, this is the most difficult period of your life that happens when you're around 30 years old. It's the time where if you can visualize Saturn, who's like your big stern daddy planet, who keeps you in line, who tells you uh, right from wrong, Uh, Saturn, you know, has made its way all the way, way around the Zodiac and has returned to the place in the sky it was in you were, when you were born and you can kind of visualize it as the teacher, uh, left the classroom to leave you to your work. And then for 30 years. Yeah. The teacher then comes back to the classroom and is checking on you and is like, so did you do your assignment? And if you didn't, you're your like, assignment, life no. hard for you. And <laughs> if you did your assignment, life will still be hard for you because Saturn's an asshole, but, uh, you will at least, uh, Benefit slightly from not having Saturn be so angry at you, but usually your first Saturn return when you're around 30 years old is the most difficult time in your life. But it's also the time in your life where usually a, a thing in your career will get cemented, like you yeah. got your job, my well, current job, yeah, current job in your Saturn return. But you also dealt with a lot of difficulties around friends and feeling outcasted and feeling, you know, story like, my
1: whole life though, Carly, like, yeah.
0: <laughs> but probably especially so uh, so eventually during uh this king's saturn return uh he blinded and castrated william III of sicily which is also a very saturn thing um mm-hmm. because saturn um cutting you know the the genitals very saturnian <laughs> um like stopping your reproductive putting an end to your reproductive abilities is a very yeah. thing uh ending saturn is all about endings saturn is about boundaries saturn is about no more um so eventually this king would eventually go on to die during his saturn return after neutering uh william the third of sicily unfortunate and that's that's eventually what happens for him so Long story short, he lives during this incident, but let's talk about what actually happens during this incident. Yeah. Uh, with all of the nobles gathered on the wood floor in this meeting room, the combined weight of everyone made the floor crumble to beneath their feet to the communal latrine below. But that's not all. <laughs> the floor Wait, there's more. The floor of the communal latrine also broke when everyone fell in. Into- fell on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the lucky ones died in the fall. <laughs> but many <sighs> others died from a combination of drowning in human excrement or suffocating by breathing in the fumes.
1: Oh uh, my God.
0: Suffocating. How many
1: people? How many people? By
0: breathing in the fumes. Between 60 and 100 people in total died. Oh my God. Henry VI remains safe on the stone alcove. He and Conrad were discussing what would be happening that day and avoided falling.
1: Imagine just watching this happen. You're just like standing.
0: You're just like standing there and all of a sudden
1: like the floor is gone. And then you like look down and there's just everyone that was just standing next to you is now in a giant swimming pool full of poop. And, and it smells
0: so bad because what had <sighs> been holding the smell back was the two layers of floor. But oh now that those two layers of floor are gone, the smell just like hits you, right? And also A mushroom people-
1: cloud of fumes.
0: And I'm sure there was splashing happening. Ah! You know, <laughs> I'm sure there was like an initial splash, like as the people like plummeted. Oh, no. no. The splash that comes back. Um I'm sure got into some people's mouths cuz they're mouth- Oh my god. Okay,
1: it's so, okay. Okay, let's do the astrology.
0: Let's do the astrology. Oh no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> According to uh, uh Okay. So um Henry, King Henry the 19-year-old king, he remained safe. He and Conrad the old fellow were discussing they, mm-hmm. they survived landgrave lewis also survived the 30 year old survived according to factinate prior to, dot com, uh prior to the disaster the king apparently was a frequent user of the phrase if i fail so may i die in excrement he he before this even happened the king would he be- just like predicted it like which reminds me of my favorite meme on the internet, which is the d- girls playing dodgeball, and the meme says people being funny on the internet. Apollo, mm-hmm. the gift of prophecy, and, and it's like, yeah, yeah. That- but basically, any ev- that's a lesson to all of you: never make a joke because it will end up being true. <laughs>
1: Just don't don't put that into the universe. I have a friend that says that all the time. Anytime you say something like sarcastic or like something like this, he- he's always like, "Don't put that in the universe."
0: But also, here's the thing, he had in his chart Jupiter opposite Pluto, which, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a very Jupiter opposite Pluto thing to say. Pluto being excrement, uh, Jupiter being like, I will always succeed, and if I if I fail, then I will die in excrement. You know, Jupiter is very, like, bold statements, bold vision. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to do the thing, I'm going to succeed, and... And then Pluto's like, poop. <laughs> the two planets speaking to each other, it's its brilliant. So we—so it's always been locked into his chart that this was going to happen and that he was thinking of these things. We were not sure what the outcome of the land dispute was, but with so many nobles dying there, there was probably a lot of shifting in the titles in the coming mm-hmm. years.
1: Lewis III. Sense
0: of thuringia would die at the age of 38 after falling ill on a ship home from the crusades his entrails were buried on cyprus and his bones were buried in a german monastery which was a thing that they did back then Hmm. that i just learned about they would bury your your entrails your ex your your inside your guts basically wherever you died um you would just like put them there and mm-hmm. then but the bones because those are more permanent and you, you, they're not going to like get all stinky uh you would bring them home uh you would bring well, that them makes home sense. To the country yeah M- makes sense so conrad who is much older uh like i said he was 60 at the time of that accident he would go on to live to be the age of 80 and in the year 1200 while traveling home um he would die uh also de- reconciling a dispute. So he had a long, you know, a signature in his chart is, or in his life was disputes and death, which was probably something that happened a lot in the Middle Ages, I'm guessing. I assume. Yeah. So here's the chart of the Erfurt Latrine disaster. Uh, we have uh, the sun in the 12th house, which The the son in the 12th house is usually I have a 12th house son. Uh it's uh usually deals with authority figures, uh not uh it's kind of like the devil on your on your shoulder. It's like authority figures, not being all that what they're cracked up to be um this also has a mars you know so the most malefic planet in the chart is in the 12th house um 12th house is also that just like the unexpected things like you would have never thought that this would happen um that that unexpected malicious thing just just Mm -hmm. coming out of the blue
1: okay the, uh, like falling into a cesspool, for example. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um, and interestingly, the best part of the chart as well is uh, Jupiter, which is also in the 12th house. So the signature of like something unexpectedly bad is going to happen. And um, some people will die and some people will live. That's basically... Uh, <laughs> Sun is also ruling the 12th house too in it's it's leo is the 12th house here which is a very signature king you know bringing people together uh rulership sort of thing and this is just Mm -hmm. like leadership uh a a situation just not not being what it a a great thing actually not going well well. (laughs) This is also a Mercury-ruled Ascendant. In this case, it's Virgo. And we have Mercury in the 11th house, which deals with groups. Interestingly, every chart that we've talked about so far has been Mercury-ruled Ascendant with Mercury in the 11th house telling us that this thing is about groups. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. We both keep on picking the same thematic
1: thing. I wonder why that is. And I'm curious as we continue to record this podcast, if we will continue to randomly choose
0: weirdly related charts <laughs> yeah uh, and maybe it could be because of our magical libra aries zero degree axis zero degree equinox, club. Being equinox children uh, we have okay so the 11th house is ruled by cancer which is a a water sign mm-hmm. and uh so we're look we're looking for okay who is the ruler of cancer and that's always going to be the moon and we have the moon here in the sixth house of bad fortune which was very similar to the boat accident too Mm Sixth house of bad fortune so so uh, just a good idea to not not do things when (laughs) don't
1: do things
0: (laughs) when important planets are in the sixth house which is the house of bad fortune uh We have uh, this, this chart deals with groups of, of people. Um, so the, the ruler of the seventh house, which is the, the relationship with the other, the, the party that you're talking with in the dispute is in the 12th house, um, which is that, that house that pulls you off course, the house of bad spirit, the house of that sudden like disaster happening, Mm -hmm. um, And also the, the, in the first house, the ascendant, uh, we have Saturn there, which, which deals with death. So uh, just a lot of death signatures, a lot of just like a crazy, horrible misfortune related to uh, water, related to, you know, got Pluto in the 10th house, which deals with waste, uh, malefic energies. Um, So some, some signatures here, we can kind of like look at what does Pluto in cancer show us throughout history? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the last time in our recent memory that we had Pluto in cancer, which is, which is a very important signature in this Erfurt Latrine disaster chart, is um, we had it from 1914 to 1938. And what do we know about 1914 to 1938? There was a lot of fighting over stupid reasons world war one for instance uh world war one it was a war that absolutely shouldn't have happened there was no reason for it and ultimately because world war one happened uh that led to hitler rising to power genocide and horrible things i mean world war ii you know we had to stop the nazis but the Nazis wouldn't have risen to power if it hadn't been for World War One. so.
1: Yeah, and you also have the, uh, the Great Depression in those years as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, there was also just another example of fighting over stupid reasons. In 1922 was the Straw Hat Riot, which I want to do a whole episode on that eventually, which was this crazy riot where people died because... In back in the day, when um, when Labor Day, hit, is it Labor Day? When the end of summer happen, mm-hmm. happened and you enter fall, you're not supposed to wear a straw hat anymore. OK, you should wear this little white. Um, straw hat wide brimmed hat gentlemen during the summertime well once fall hits you're not supposed to wear a straw hat anymore and okay. uh, people would go around if you were still wearing a straw hat after summer ended they would knock it off your head and then dudes would reply that's so aggressive yeah res- respond by punching whoever knocked their straw hat off their head this led to a riot in 19 19- seriously over straw hats
1: that's stuff. Yes.
0: a huge <laughs> brawl in new york um we also had prohibition during this period so stupid decision to to stop people from drinking alcohol. to ban alcohol Uh,
1: that was that was with air quotes for anybody that just realized you can't see me (laughs) stop people from drinking alcohol air quotes
0: and during this period we also had while pluto was in cancer and this is just we should pay probably pay attention for the next time pluto will be in cancer which i will not be alive for and no one will be alive no one who's alive now will probably be alive um when pluto's in cancer maybe our gen z kids will be alive when pluto's in cancer but this was a period where there was a rise of the kkk rise of nazism um rise in anti-gay sentiment too back in the early 1900s things like like Gay relationships, even gay marriages, were pretty open, actually, in the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. And really, as the rise of prohibition, the rise of uh, the KKK after World War One, mm-hmm. stupid war that shouldn't have happened in the first place, then we get that anti-gay and that very white supremacist sent- sentiment. Um, some so other- this is the same place that...
1: So this uh, chart that you're talking about, the signature that you're talking about, also appears in the Litrine disaster.
0: Yeah, yeah, that signature of that Pluto in Cancer. So I feel some other things that are very related to that Pluto in Cancer: the sinking of L- the Lusitania in 1915, the mm-hmm. Armenian genocide by Turkey, uh, the 1916 uh, first birth control clinic. Interestingly, that's actually a positive thing, but it relates to cancer being motherhood and Pluto. Mm -hmm. the the decision, like I want power. Pluto is also power. I want Mm -hmm. to to decide whether I want to be a mother or not. Mm -hmm. But it also corresponds to the Spanish flu, um, three main major plagues, um, Spanish flu, sleeping sickness, and polio, which happened around 1918, which is very interesting because we when Pluto was in Capricorn for us, which is the opposite side of Cancer, mm-hmm. we have our three plagues. We had COVID. We had a yeah, resurgence of polio for a little bit, uh, and uh, we had what did we other have? Monkeypox. Monkeypox. Had yeah, had another thing too that I'm forgetting about, but yeah, there was a. Um, but there was also a
1: measles lot- probably. Yeah. like all anti-vaxxers
0: yeah exactly (laughs)
1: everything returning due to anti-vaccination like
0: yeah during the um during pluto and cancer it was like oh there's all these these diseases we're gonna start vaccinating people and then by the time pluto takes its time to get all the way back to capricorn now in our lifetime we're like some people are like oh let's let's slack on the the vaxes and oh no all the diseases are coming back again oh no the plague like a pluto opposition Uh, thing happened pluto's like kind of doing the saturn thing left the building for a little bit oh did you learn your lesson oh no you didn't so here's the diseases again well
1: i feel like if it wants us to learn our lesson it should come back faster because humans
0: have short lifespans and shorter memories Well, here's the thing though, we have planets that go fast and we have planets that go slow and we do learn from like Venus that goes fast. We're like, oh, we've been making the same mistake every eight years during Venus retrograde. So we eventually throughout our life learn from those mistakes. In theory theory yeah and mercury like oh every three months we learn a little lesson from mercury retrograde And oh, theory yeah. we learn from that but saturn is like okay the bigger lessons that take a little bit more time to learn
1: well and then we've talked before about pluto being generational you mm-hmm. know and i think that learning as a as kind of a short-lived species learning generational lessons uh is difficult i think yeah
0: we're gonna be going through this pluto and aquarius Uh, thing coming up next year Pluto will be sitting in Aquarius for about 20 years and so we're going to be learning a lot of the lessons that again that were learned around the founding of this country uh around the ratification of the constitution so I think we're going to be as Pluto goes into Aquarius and settles in there next year we're going to be our constitution is going to be uh what, did we learn the lessons that we need to learn from keeping our constitution? No,
1: we didn't.
0: No, we didn't. Cause now we're suddenly taking rights away from women and we're tr- suddenly uh,
1: legislating yeah. for, yeah. Oh man. Oh, this is going to go. Hey, what, what does Pluto in Aquarius say about um, late stage capitalism? Can we, can we move on from that yet? Is that something we're going <laughs> to. Uh,
0: well, we're seeing uh, definitely capitalism. Um, imploding falling uh, you know being really uh people are pushing back against it in a really good Mm -hmm. way i mean we're seeing like the rise of the labor movement right now which is really heartening uh um we shall see if if the industry wins or are the workers gonna win and if we definitely need the especially as we get into Artificial intelligence technology taking over so, you know, and dehumanizing our workforce. We need to decide are we going to legislate and put public policy in place that protects humans, or are we going to do what we have done for previous centuries and allow technology to benefit the most wealthy? And yeah. allow more money and funds and resources to be funneled into the pocketbooks of the most wealthy, or are we going to use this technology to help everyone? And well,
1: see, yeah, I, for me, like, I, okay. So when AI like first started becoming a, a big thing, I obviously being a writer and a creative was very anti, you know, Um, but I think that that ship has, I don't think, I know that that ship has already sailed um what i what i like and i do think that ai can be a, a powerful tool um especially as it develops uh further but i just i wish that instead of using it to do the work of creatives we could use it to make work not the central force of our lives like you know but that would require like such a shift in consciousness and such a shift in the way that we like as you're saying like right now it looks like it's going to be used to try to make the rich people more money but i i just wish that like we have this type of technology like why don't we just use it so that we can all stop grinding all the time
0: <laughs> this is why we need to influence public policy and we need to uh create legislation around protections for the human workforce yeah because all, all the data that's being fed into ai is human generated mm-hmm. and that art that content that creativity is intellectual property and
1: no absolutely
0: leg- and our law does uh protect intellectual property mm-hmm. if and but we need to have it in for- those protections enforced and we need to have uh more legislation at this point especially at this early stage protecting mm-hmm. intellectual property rights
1: no i agree 100% and Just imagine, though, like what could like how creative could people be and how like how many problems could we solve if everybody if like if everybody could stop like fighting to survive for a few minutes and like stop fighting to pay the rent and stop fighting to like eat and just like actually like be creative. I just feel like this technology could be leveraged in such a different way uh, than it currently is being leveraged.
0: But it's also our humans can leverage ourselves in a different way. We can band together and uh, unionize various industries. Uh, I was encouraging my rideshare Uber driver. I'm like, you, sir, can unionize your fellow rideshare drivers. Um, Regardless of what industry you are in, you and your fellow coworkers can unionize. And when you... Form a union that is historically the most effective way of enacting social change for Mm -hmm. workers. Definitely, that's really the only thing that's going to stand in the way between the major corporations and the extremely wealthy uh, from using technology to funnel more extreme wealth into their own pocketbooks. And we can't rely on legislators because legislators are funded by
1: By ultra wealthy people. Yeah, for
0: sure. So we need to use collective action to...
1: I feel like every conversation that we have always, <laughs> always devolves into capital. anti capitalist which is fine. Like I'm, I think no matter like where you are, well, maybe not no matter where, but most people on the political spectrum regardless can like look at current society and be like, this isn't working for the majority of people, you know, <laughs> like, and especially the economy, like no matter what you blame it on, uh, I, I think we can all agree that it's not ideal right now. Mm-hmm. Um and I just, oh my gosh, I, I just think that there's so much more that we could be doing. Um, but, but, but I mean, that's part of it. Part of, part of making sure that, that change doesn't happen is keeping us exhausted, keeping mm-hmm. us working, keeping us fighting to pay our bills and eat. So I don't know. It's a, it's a vicious cycle.
0: Yep. And that is the for latrine disaster. eleven sixty four, And we had a fun time talking. This was really fun. I really appreciated you sharing that chart and uh, letting me do a little detective work to figure out what the nature of that chart was. And
1: I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Like I'm sitting here and I'm like listening and I'm like, you said that like Venus was on a boat doing drugs. And I was like, yes, yes. (laughs) continue. (laughs) We are on a boat and we're all about to die. (laughs)
0: We need to come up with a really good wrap up for our podcast episodes, Uh, but tune in to our next episode. We're going to be talking about something different, and then we are going to really try hard not to go on tangents and digressions, but I think we picked the two absolutely wrong people to uh, not go on tangents. Yeah, I don't think
1: that, Carly, I think this is a losing battle. but hey, hey I, I think the digressions are are probably some of the most interesting parts of, of what we have to, uh, we're, we're near spicy right? Like uh, it's it's good. It's-
0: <laughs> those of you who are watching at home, if you have any uh, questions or comments for us, definitely drop uh, those into whatever format we decide to accept questions or comments because they are appreciated. We want to keep the dialogue open and going. Um, but thank you for tuning in. and tune in next time
1: bye. bye music for the show is provided by bruno Loredo. follow us on instagram at the astrology of terrible things all one word